Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Morbidly Beautiful is your one-stop shop for all things horror pop culture related, from interviews to reviews, top ten lists, and everything in between. They also have an extensive library of podcasts, which I highly suggest checking out after you finish this episode, including my latest endeavor called Cheer and Loathing, where Stephanie, the editor-in-chief of Morbidly Beautiful, and I sit down and bicker about movies. She loves everything, I hate everything, so it's a great mix. There's something for everybody in that one. Now today on the episode, we are going to continue our look at the Ars Goetia. Now last week we looked at the Kings of Hell, and this week, well, we're going to be looking at the Dukes, and there are a lot of them. So buckle up, get a drink, and get comfy, because we're going to be here a while. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. Now, as I said, there are a lot of Dukes of Hell. There are 22 of them, to be exact. Some of them I might have looked at in previous episodes of the History of Demons, but some of them are going to be brand new. So let's just jump into it, since this is going to be a long one. Starting things off at number one, we have Amducius, and he has 29 legions of demons and spirits under his command. He is depicted as a human with claws instead of hands and feet, the head of a unicorn, and a trumpet to symbolize his powerful voice. Amducius is associated with thunder and has been said that his voice is heard during storms. In other sources, he is accompanied by the sound of trumpets when he comes and will give concerts if commanded. But while all his types of musical instruments can be heard, they cannot be seen. He is regarded as being the demon in charge of the cacophonous music that is played in hell. He can make trees bend at will as well, which seems like an afterthought after everything else he can do, but hey, what do I know? At number 2 we have Agoras. And he rules the eastern zone of hell, and being served by 31 legions of demons. He can make runaways come back, and those who stand still, run, finding pleasure in the teachings of immoral expressions. He also has the power to destroy dignities, both temporal and supernatural. He is depicted as a pale old man riding a crocodile. In other words, he would fit right in in Florida. That's neither here nor there though. Number 3 we have Valifar. And he is a Duke of Hell, of course. He tempts people to steal and is in charge of a good relationship among thieves. Valfar is considered a good familiar by his associates until, quote, they are caught in the trap. He commands ten legions of demons. He is represented as a lion with the head of a man or as a lion with the head of a donkey. Number four, we have Barbados. He is a duke and an earl of hell, ruling 30 legions of demons and has 4 kings as his companions to command his legions. He gives the understanding of the voices of the animals, says past and future, conciliates friends and rulers, and he can lead men to hidden treasures that have been hidden by the enchantment of magicians. His name seems to derive from the Latin Barbatus, bearded, old man, philosopher. He is mentioned also in the Lesser Keys of Solomon. Number 5 we have Gusion or Gusion. Not 100% sure on how to say it, but we're going to go with one of those two. He's a strong, great duke of hell and rules over 40 legions of demons. He tells all past, present, and future things. 
shows the meaning of all questions that are asked to him, reconciles friends, and gives honor and dignity. He is depicted as a baboon, or according to some, the form of a xenophilus. Number six, we have Elegos. And despite his elven-sounding name, he's a great duke of hell as well, ruling 60 legions of demons. He discovers hidden things and knows of future wars and how soldiers should meet. He also attracts the favor of lords, kings, and other important persons. He is depicted in the form of a goodly knight carrying a lance, an ensign, and a scepter. Alternatively, he is depicted as a ghostly specter, sometimes riding a semi-skeletal, sometimes winged horse, or the steed of Abigor. This is a minion of hell itself, and was a gift from Beelzebub. It was created from the remnants of one of the horses from the Garden of Eden. Next up, at number 7, we have a Zippar, also a great duke of hell. He commands 26 legions of inferior spirits. His office is to cause women to love men and bring them together in love. He makes women barren. He's depicted with red clothes, armor, and looks like a soldier. He's kind of a weird one. Causes people to fall in love and then makes them barren. I mean, that's a dick thing to do, but he's a demon. What do you expect? At number eight, we have Bathin. He's a duke of hell, of course, as they all are, and he has 30 legions of demons at his disposal. He knows the virtue of precious stones and herbs, and can bring men suddenly from one country to another. He helps one attain astral projection, and takes you wherever you want to go. He's depicted as a strong man with the tail of a serpent riding a pale horse. Number nine, we have Salios. He's a mighty great duke, or a great earl, according to Johann Weir, and he is of hell, of course. Ruling 30 demons as well, he has a pacifist nature, and causes men to love women and women to love men. He's depicted as a gallant and handsome soldier, wearing a ducal crown and riding a crocodile. He doesn't seem like that bad of a guy. Salios? Yeah, he's alright. Number 10 is Aim. He's very strong and rules over 26 legions of demons. He sets cities, castles, and great palaces on fire, makes men witty in all ways, and gives true answers concerning private matters. He's depicted as a man, handsome in some sources, but with three heads, one of a serpent, one of a man, and the third of a cat to most authors, although some say of a calf riding a viper, and carrying in his hand a lit firebrand with which he sets the requested things on fire. Number 11 is Bune. He's also a great duke, mighty and strong, who has 30 legions of demons under his command. He changes the place of the dead and makes them demons that are under his power to gather together upon the sepulchers. Bune makes men eloquent and wise and gives true answers to their demands and also riches. He speaks with a comely high voice. Bune is depicted as a three-headed dragon being his head like those of a dog, a griffin, and a man. Although some grimoires have him as two heads, like a dragon, and the third, like a man. Number 12 is Bareth, also a great duke, powerful and terrible, and he has 26 legions of demons under his command. He tells things of the past, present, and future with all true answers. He can also turn metals into gold, give dignities to men, and confirm them. He speaks with a clear and subtle voice, as is recounted in Alistair Crowley's illustrated Goetia. He is a liar when not answering questions. 
To speak with him, the conjurer must wear a silver ring and put it before his face in the same form as it is needed in Belith's case and demons do before a mammon. He is depicted as a soldier wearing red clothes, a golden crown, and riding a red horse. Books on the subject tell that he is called according to whom invokes him, being called Bereth by the Jews. According to some demonologists from the 16th century, his power is stronger in June, which is coming up. Meanwhile, to Sebastian Michaelis, he suggests murder and blasphemy, and his adversary is Saint Barnabas. His name was surely taken from Baal, a form of Baal worshipped in Bereth. Beirut, Phoenicia. In alchemy, Bereth was the element with which all metals could be transmuted into gold. Bereth is the Hebrew word for covenant. It was originated from the Akkadian word birtu, which means to fetter or to bond. Next up, we have one I'm pretty sure I've covered in the past, Astaroth. And he is referred to in the Lesser Keys of Solomon as a very powerful demon. In art, in the Dictionary Infernal, Astroth is depicted as a nude man with feathered wings, wearing a crown, holding a serpent in one hand, and riding a beast with dragon-like wings and a serpent's tail. According to Sebastian Michaelis, he is a demon of the first hierarchy who seduces, by means of laziness, vanity, and rationalized philosophies. Sounds like a lot of people I know. His adversary is Saint Bartholomew, who can protect against him for he has resisted Astaroth's temptations. To others, he teaches mathematical sciences and handicrafts, can make men invisible and lead them to hidden treasures, and answers every question formulated to him. He was also said to give to mortal beings the power over serpents. His name is possibly taken from the goddess Asherah or Astrate. At number 14, we have Folklore. And he's also a great duke of hell, commanding three or thirty legions of spirits, it's undetermined. Folklore is mentioned in the Lesser Keys of Solomon as the 41st of the 72 Gothic demons. According to the Grimoire, Folklore appears in the form of a man with griffin's wings, kills men, drowns them, and overthrows warships. But if commanded by the conjurer, he will not harm any man or thing. Folklore has power over the wind and sea, and had hoped to return to heaven after 1,000 years, but he was deceived in his hope. Number 15 is Vipar. He is also a great duke and rules 29 legions of demons. He governs the waters and guides armored ships laden with ammunition and weapons. He can also make, if requested, the seas rough and stormy, and to appear full of ships. Vipar can make men die in three days by putrefying sores and wounds, causing worms to breed in them. But if requested by the conjurer, he can heal them immediately. The par is depicted as a mermaid. Number 16 is Vuol. He's a mighty great duke, commanding 37 legions of demons. He gives the love of women, causes friendship between friends and foes, and tells all things past, present, and to come. Vuol is depicted as a camel that after a while changes shape into a man and speaks the Egyptian language, but not quite perfectly. Though he does it with a deep voice, so that's nice. I'm sure all you can relate. When I fuck up all those fantastic languages out there, at least I sound good doing it. Anyway, continuing on. Number 17 is Krokel. He is the 49th spirit of the Goetia, manifesting as an angel with a tendency to speak in dark and mysterious ways. Once a member of the powers, he is now 
a duke of hell who rules over 48 legions of demons. When summoned by a conjurer, he can teach geometry and other liberal sciences. He can also warm bodies of water, create the illusion of sound of rushing waters, and reveal the location of natural baths. Number 18 is Alasur. He's a demon whose title is a great duke, and he has 36 legions of demons under his command. He induces people to immortality and teaches arts in all mysteries of the sky. He's described by Johann Weir as appearing in the shape of a knight mounted on an enormous horse. His face has Leonin characteristics, he has a ruddy complexion and burning eyes, and he speaks with much gravity. He is said to provide good familiars and to teach astronomy and liberal arts. Alistair is often depicted riding a horse with dragon legs. Number 19 is the Count Murmur. He is a great duke and earl of hell and he has 30 legions of demons under his command. He teaches philosophy and can oblige the souls of the deceased to appear before the conjurer to answer every desired question. Murmur is depicted as a soldier riding a vulture or a griffin and wearing a ducal crown. Two of his ministers go before him making the sound of trumpets. Murmur in Latin means noise, whisper, murmur, and the sound of trumpets. Number 20, we have Grimori. He's a strong duke of hell that governs 26 legions of demons. He tells all things past, present, and future about hidden treasures and procures the love of women, young and old, but especially maidens. He is depicted as appearing in the form of a beautiful woman with the crown of a duchess tied around her waist and riding a camel. Maybe he rides in a vool. Hmm, food for thought. Number 21, we have Vapula. We're getting to the end here, only a couple more. Uh, Vapula is a powerful great duke of hell that commands 36 legions of demons. He teaches philosophy, mechanics, and sciences. Vapula is depicted as a griffin-winged lion. Not much information about Vapula. Number 22, we have Flauros also a great duke of hell, having 36 legions of demons under his rule. He gives true answers to all things past, present, and future, but he must first be commanded to enter a magic triangle, for if not, he will lie, deceive the conjurer, and beguile him into other business. But if he enters the triangle, he will answer truly and gladly speak about divinity, the creation of the world, himself, and other fallen angels. He can also destroy the conjurer's enemies by burning them. If the magician requests it, he will not suffer temptations from any other spirits in any other form. Commonly, people represent him as a humanoid leopard with big-ass claws. Flauros is depicted as a terrible and strong leopard that under the request of the conjurer changes into a man with fiery eyes and an awful expression. Flauros can also supposedly be called upon when a mortal wishes to take vengeance on other demons. This is likely included in his capacity to destroy the conjurer's demons. That seems like a pretty powerful power to have to destroy other demons. Why wouldn't he just be the king, the ruler, the Satan of hell? I digress. And coming in at number 23, we have Dantillion. He's a powerful great duke of hell with 36 legions of demons under his command. He's the 71st of 72 spirits of Solomon. He teaches all the arts and sciences, and he also declares the secret counsel of anyone, given that he knows the thoughts of all people and can change them at his will. He can also cause love and show the similitude of any person, show the 
same by means of a vision and let them be in any part of the world they will. He is depicted as a man with many appearances, which means the faces of all men and women. There are also many depictions in which he is said to hold a book in one of his hands. And this is a quote from the Lesser Keys of Solomon. The 71st spirit is Dantillion. He is a duke, great and mighty, appearing in the form of a man with many countenances, all men and women's faces. He hath a book in his right hand. His office is to teach all arts and sciences unto any, and to declare the secret counsel of anyone, for he knoweth the thoughts of all men and women. He can change them at his will. He can cause love and show the similarities of any person, and show the same by a vision. Let them be in what part of the world they will. He governeth thirty-six legions of spirits, and that's the end of them, all twenty-three dukes of hell. So what comes next? Well, we have the princes, which we'll look at next week. And there aren't nearly as many princes as there are dukes. Dukes seem to be one of those titles that are just kind of given to everybody. You know, it's like a participation trophy. The participation trophy of demons. <laughs> Let's go with that. Anyway, that's going to do it for me today. If you like what you heard, feel free to leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever your app is on your phone or your computer or whatever. Any five-star reviews will be read out on the show. It's a great way to get a shout-out. Also, you can follow along on social media. I don't update it super often, but if you want, you can do it. Uh, Twitter, at HorrorShotsProd is in production. Instagram, at OminousOriginsPod. Or on Facebook, at HorrorShots. So, until next time. <laughs>